Hello, welcome to Season 1, Episode 12 of Defining Talent, a podcast. I'm your host, Laura Dickinson-Turner, and every episode I sit down with someone new and ask them the question, how do you define talent? Today's episode, I am joined by the delightful Frank Ramirez, who recently graduated from Cal State LA with his MFA in television, film, and theater acting option. He is an incredibly gifted actor. He went not once, but twice to the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., where he competed in both the 2021 and 23 Irene Ryan Acting Scholarship. And spoiler alert, he won big awards both times. Frank and I sat down to record just a few weeks after he'd walked the stage at graduation, and I was so impressed by how he hit the ground running that we got caught up in shop talk, and I don't actually ask him to define talent until about a third of the way into the interview, but his answer is well worth the wait. So, without further ado, here is Defining Talent with Frank Ramirez. <laughs> oh my goodness. How, how are you, first of all? I know I already asked you, but now I'm asking you, asking you. Um, good. <laughs> Tired. Tired. It's, it's not easy work. No. 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 And it's easy to get discouraged. And I'm like, I've just, I just started. Like, I just have to like. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be no's, right? right? Like this is, and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with not what we were looking for. Not what we were sure. looking for, you know? Sure. Um, so I'm still like trying to adjust to that. I right. feel like because I'm getting into this at 37, mm -hmm. that the clock is ticking, right? Yeah. Like I'm about to hit that gap where you're like, mm, you're not old enough to be grandpa yes. um, you know and so I'm trying to I'm trying to close that gap as quickly as possible like I would love to get enough credits where I can actually start auditioning for things like Law and Order yeah or um, you know some, some casting director lady was like have you been on this show and I was like no I haven't been on any shows and she was like oh, I could have sworn you were like on Aww. SBU or something and I was like absolutely not I wish I was <laughs> yeah um, and she said well Keep your eye out for those kind of roles because lawyers, detectives, mm. like that's going to be your bread and butter. Your bread and butter. That's yeah. going to be. And I'm like, my manager's like commercials, and I'm like, sure, it, yeah, that can't hurt. Right. But fuck, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> it would be nice to say words and have a storyline that isn't about you know selling a product. Especially coming from theater, like. Right. Everything's told. Right. It's dialogue. Like right. everything is said. Um, and so the writing is really good. And then you get into like TV and film and it's like, oh no, just read this like half a page. Sure. And it's not even half a page, sure. right? It's like four lines, someone else, yeah. four, or four words. Yeah. And it's like, make something out of this. And it's like, okay. Um, and you mentioned age too. And that's one of those things that like, if a person is going to focus on TV film versus focusing on theater or is doing both, like to find that, okay, in this world over here, I have all of this range and these ages and these humans that like people see me as and then in this world over here I only have this range and this age and like yeah it's it's so weird and I think it's because it's so it, it is commercial right yeah. like they call it the industry because it's meant to make money yeah so it doesn't matter if I'm 37 years old and could have a 15 year old kid sure in real life sure. they're like this isn't real life like you need to <laughs> right. look like this thing over here, yeah. this like twenty year, you need to look like the twenty year old that you're raising. Like it's it's just very bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I mean, this is this is the job I chose, so <laughs> there's only so much complaining I can do. Sure. Well, and you also just went from, you know, because you, you just finished your MFA program, right? So going from a world of, it's kind of akin to when you just finish doing a show, right? Like, there's this really specific structure that you're in, and you kind of know what you're doing, and even if there's unknowns during the day or the week or the month or whatever, there's still, like, this, this skeleton of, okay, this is more or less what, you know, the next three months are going to look like and then the next two years and the next three years but now all of the structure depends on you figuring out like okay what am I going to do next and like what what do I have coming up this week you know Mm -hmm. how many hours am I going to spend on actors access and like talking to my manager and you know looking through things and like you know who who do I need to reconnect with this month in order to like see if there's a project like Mm -hmm. oh that's exhausting it's a lot it's 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 a full-time job like I get up when my husband gets up Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, I like slog through my coffee and sure, things, and sure. um, and I, you know, I commit that like I'm going to work an yeah. eight-hour day, whatever that yeah. means, whether that's shuffling pictures around onto Pixie Set, which is something I had to learn how to do, mm-hmm. or you know, go, going over my resume, spending time on Actors Access, yeah. um, doing, you know, I, I guess I should shouldn't be complaining. I've been very blessed that since graduation, I've had a ton of interest. So. I think that's why I'm hating the self-tape so much. It's because it's like two a day. Yeah, it's a lot. It's all, and and, you know, you have to get ready and, you know, you have to put a face on and pick, select your clothes and set up the camera and then edit. And then, you know, and I'm finding that the eight hour day Mm -hmm. isn't enough. Sure. Um, And so starting last week, I started building in like gym time Mm -hmm. and run time, Mm -hmm. which are also like my decompression time. I was like. This needs to be built into my work day. Like, yes. I'm an actor. Taking care of myself yeah. is part of the job. Um, so rather than like, okay, well, I'll get to it when I'm done with this thing. And then I don't get to it. So I'm like, no, 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 no. It's yeah. built into my into my daily schedule for work. That's smart. That's really, really smart. Um, that, oh, my gosh. Like, because I have such a hard time with that. I have such a hard time with my own time management. Mm. Um, and I'm really, like... That's a thing. That's a hurdle that I, I, I struggle with so much. And to meet anyone who either naturally does it or has like said to themselves, "No, I have to do this," and like whether they're successful at every single day or not, the fact that and then I'm like, I need to put making a to do list on my to do list because that's yeah. how bad it can get. Yeah. Um, and that feeling of like, because like you, like you know, I, I like to move my body every day in some way, shape, shape or form because it helps with my mental health so much. Mm-hmm. And the days that I don't, immediately there wants to be this narrative of like, oh, well, you really screwed up, Laura. Mm. You know, like, wow, you really messed up. I guess, you know, you, you might as well just crawl under the covers. And I'm like, what is that? No, <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. And I feel like if I, you know, put those things on pieces of paper, like you just said, it would just be, oh, I didn't get to that task today rather than like, you have failed at life. Yeah. I, I mean, to-do list is something that I need to do. Yeah. And I've thought like, okay, when you get, when you think of something, you need to be writing it down mm-hmm. um, because it's so easy to get caught up in the other stuff. Yeah. And then I'm like, fuck, what was that thing I was supposed yeah. to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember. Like I've just started getting good at my calendar. So I have mm. like my electronic calendar mm-hmm. and then I have a little paper calendar that I keep in my in my car just in case somebody says, oh, hey, yeah. oh, let me double check or I forget yeah. to get it in there. And then I have like a, a big calendar mm-hmm. on my front door that yeah. on the back side of my front door yeah. that like before I leave the house, I'm like, okay. <laughs> that would be great <laughs> if it was on the front and back. Like you've got one as you walk into your house, you're like, oh yeah, fuck, you turn right back around, you go out. I'm really forgetful with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Unless it's like tucking at my sleeve, like this needs mm-hmm. to get done today. Mm-hmm. I'll forget. 
for sure. I will forget it. For sure. That's smart to realize, like, oh, these are this is how I need to um, structure things and, like, accommodate the way that my brain works around things and, like, how, you know, I perceive space, time, and, and memory. You know, it's good. Yeah. Like, because not everybody does that. And some people are blessed because they'll have, like, an assistant or somebody or a spouse or partners, <laughs> you know, that, like, helps them do those things that maybe they don't realize that they need help doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's folks who just don't know that they need the help. No one's telling them and no one's helping them. And you're just like, oh, no, you're lost. Yeah. And, but that's what scares me, especially now I have, like, a pretty well-known agency mm-hmm. um, that I'm represented by and a manager. And then I have family. Yeah. And it's like they're all competing priorities. And mm-hmm. we are a family that we are very active. Like, yeah. every weekend we're doing something or my nephews or a birthday or, mm-hmm. like, well, I'm just going to barbecue because yeah. I haven't seen you in a week. It's like, yeah. okay. Um <laughs> You know, that I, and even when I worked at Starbucks, when I was a store manager at Starbucks, like, I would double, triple book myself on a Saturday and not even... Realize. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was like, I know I requested the day off. What are we doing? Uh. I'm supposed to be doing this. And I get the phone call from my sister-in-law who's like, I can't believe you knew that we were doing. And it's like, okay. So the last thing that I want to do is, like, I just got signed by an agency Mm -hmm. and, like, goof and, like completely forget that I needed to be in downtown for an audition because those have started again. I I had one like last week. I think it was last week. Oh yeah, we're only Tuesday. It was last Tuesday. Yeah. So it scares me. Like I have this like anxiety all the time so I think it's kind of what I'm like it's not feeling good right now mm-hmm. um, that I'm forgetting something or sure. that I'm going to forget something sure. or you know that my videos aren't I need to get them in faster than I'm turning them in or yeah. that they're not good enough or but like you're doing it I guess so you know <laughs> I mean well cause like I've I, I haven't done very many self tapes myself but I've helped a, a number of folks um, my best friend used to do a lot of self taping when he was living here and so he, you know it's like um, there were times when and, like it would only take two takes and it's like you know what that like if you keep doing this like you and then then be mm-hmm. like okay done it this way I've done it this way and it's like okay let's go take a walk around the neighborhood and then come back to it mm-hmm. and it's like I want to say that there have been times when like the callback came from the one that was the the two take one and then sometimes the callback was the one on like the the hours and hours of labor and it's mm-hmm. like you know what's the what's the difference you, you mentioned earlier how arbitrary it can be yeah and it's like I mean, it is, though, right? It like, really it's, is. like, it's completely out of the actor's hands. And yeah. One of my friends who's a working actor, uh, when I had my, f- it was my first in-person audition mm-hmm. for a commercial, I guess the casting agency is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and he said, great, now here's what you need to, you know, I was texting him the entire time, like, yeah. what should I expect? Like, where the fuck am I going? I have to go to the bathroom. There's an appear to be one. And he's like, yes, there is. You know, it's around the corner. Right, right. So he's, like, putting me at ease. <laughs> I walked out and I was like, oh, I'm done. And he was like, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. it, you drove an hour into town for three minutes and now you're going to drive two hours home because they called you in at 4.15. Oh, um, yeah. He says, but what, what I suggest you do is now you forget about it. Mm-hmm. It was your first one. Forget about it. If you get a call, great. If you don't, oh, well. Mm-hmm. And go do something nice for yourself. Like, you yeah. should be celebrating every time you get called into a casting office. You should be celebrating. Do something nice. Buy yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah. Go get some ice cream and just forget about it. And I was like, I'm going to do that, Norm. <laughs> Norm. Oh, that's good advice. It's, it's good because it's not everybody's getting, you know, auditions at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I've definitely submitted for things, for theater things, and I only submit for theater things, really, um, and not gotten any sort of contact and like did I do something wrong should have I done this you know 
know. And then I did I did submit for something that was film, and I they asked me to send in a, a tape, an EcoCast tape. And I ended up not doing it, and I don't remember why. I think timing-wise, like, I literally just couldn't make it work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt terrible afterwards because then, you know, it was just like, I mean, it, it wasn't, I don't have any general manager, so I wasn't necessarily letting somebody else down in that sense. But I'm like, oh, God, what if the person who was casting that, like, you know, then, like, is, is the casting person for the next theater thing I do? And they're like, ah, that person didn't submit. Yeah, I know, never like, work you know, in this oh, business God. again. It's so, <laughs> oh, it's so, um, it's, it's interesting that artists put themselves at the hands of others. We're storytellers. Part of the job is this story can be told through this vessel in this way, whether it's, you know, acting, singing, writing, Mm-hmm. editing whatever it is right and yet it's like okay well so if I'm the only person who can do the thing that I do in the way that I do it and, and right you know it's like well does the audience like me does the casting director like me does you know does the museum gallery director like me like who do you like me do you really like me it's so masochistic it, it, it really is and that's one of the things that it's been starting to uh, occur to me, especially I'm getting put out for these roles that are yeah. like, you know, they're commercials even, but, you know, they pay quite a bit. Yeah. Um, especially when you're like, you know, it's, it's for a day of work. Sure. For like three sure. lines, you know, or no lines because it's a commercial. Sure. Um, you know, they pay really well. And then I think it's non-union. And so my manager asked for 20%, which I, well, I was always told it's 10, but it's like, well, that's for like working, working okay. actors. You're new. Eventually that percentage will come down because okay. they're anticipating that you're not going to get a whole lot of work out the gate. Right. Um, or that it's non-union. So the pay is going to be smaller. Right. Um, you know, it's like 20% to the manager, 20% to the agent. Then I got to pay the taxes on the fucking thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. by the time it's all done, I'm only taking home like maybe 30 percent of the entire you know and it's it's one of those things it's like do i really need the manager especially (laughs) i I came out of business right and i'm like i don't know that i need this person um but the industry does sort of force you to have these things like Mm -hmm. well why do i need the agent Mm -hmm. well you need the agent because agencies get the good stuff first sure and then actors are forced to get like you know they could yeah. defend themselves and say well you don't need to have an agent it's like no but but you do mm-hmm. like if you really want to get out there and and make a living yeah. you need to have an agent you need to have to pay someone else in order to get roles right. and when i think about it it just sounds like a big giant ponzi scheme right <laughs> it's so much like, gatekeeping shit runs downhill and the money goes up yeah. it's crazy it's yeah. it's wild to me to think that you know, like my manager, I, well, I just found out because I got IMDb Pro. I didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm. because I'm old. And <laughs> I found out that he has like 70 clients. I'm like, how can you personally sure. manage 70 careers? And I was like, this is where it just seems like yeah. a, not all, but some agency managers, they just rock up the actors mm-hmm. and then throw the spaghetti at the wall and sees which noodle sticks and then they collect a paycheck and it's just crazy to me I think it's I I don't know how actors have put up with it and praying that like the one that you have the ones that you have are like okay well hopefully these are the folks that are out there really doing the work and not just sort of using the title to have some space in the industry or whatever it is because you know I think in any profession you're going to find 
not grifters, scammers, folks who are just there to, you know, take up space in some way, shape, or form. Right? Get a paycheck. Yeah. You know? What do you think about, like, 70 people? I think about something like a department chair of, like, a, of, a, of a college, right? Of somebody who's got, like, okay, I have uh, these full-time faculty members, these part-time faculty members. Mm-hmm. I have these, you know, um, staff members. I have these classes that I'm scheduling. And I think about, like, the time and energy that it takes to do that. I'm like, okay, there's some, st- I'm not similar exact, but in terms of moving pieces, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's not that it can't be done and somebody can't do it with care and like actually knowing what those pieces are and giving a crap about them and like oh this piece moved over here but I think when it's like an actor and an agent especially or an actor and a manager it's that seems so personal you know here I am and you're like helping me sell me which is one of the hardest things to do like selling oneself it's yeah. it's very vulnerable mm-hmm. it's a vulnerable thing that you're asking someone you know and you're paying someone to help you do and so yeah the amount of anxiety tied to it makes sense to me it's very it's very odd yes to me um you know and i'm not like you said it, it, i'm not saying it can't be done Sure. Um, and the rumor mill is that actors are kind of having enough of that and yeah. they're doing gigs and not telling their agents oh. and not paying them. Um, or other agents are like, hey, I don't want to pick you up as a client, mm-hmm. but you would be really good for this thing. Oh my goodness. I'll submit you. Yeah. You pay me and you don't tell your agent. Like it's getting wacky out there. Yeah. Um, in the world, in the commercial world <laughs> of acting. It's crazy. Yeah. I think so. It feels like the industry is changing in so many different ways, in part because of the explosion of new medias and streaming and like the litigation mm-hmm. of like, how is how is talent not just managed but like who owns what mm-hmm. and it's like it it's it's odd you know being an actor is an odd thing to be because if you're a star or if you're somebody who has a certain amount of credits and and visibility that i think is what so many people outside of the industry think of as like oh that's an actor yeah. but it's like the majority of folks doing the gig often there's even if they love it and they're working with great people and they're surrounded with great humans on their teams and et cetera, you know, there's still that like, I'm just a pawn. I'm mm-hmm. just like this little piece of something that's like, you know, okay, um, take me or leave me. I'm going to sell little bits of myself off. And, you know, <laughs> like that to me, and I don't know this for firsthand as much as other folks do, but like to me, the TV film industry film feels a bit more that way perhaps than the theater industry. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just because it's more tactile there's a there's a realness with theater because you see like your audience and they're right there with you in the room yeah the linearness to it well you know it's like when i taught my intro to theater class here something that wasn't in the textbook that i thought that was important to point Mm -hmm. out is the thing that makes theater exceptional is that actors experience something with each other live and in the moment Mm -hmm. um and so does the audience yes it's like it's like well, what about music? You could go to the 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 symphony, mm-hmm. and you could say the same thing. Yeah. The thing that I would say though is, you are recreating something when mm-hmm. you are playing Beethoven's Fifth mm-hmm. together as a company. I'm not saying that it isn't beautiful and it can't be moving, mm-hmm. but ultimately what we are listening to is the same thing that they listened to 400 years ago, sure. where a performance is always different. You could right. go see the same play two nights in a row right. and you will know that one what you saw yesterday is not what you're watching today right and two 
you will experience it differently because mm -hmm. you know the ending. Yeah. So the experience is different. It's neither better nor worse. Right. It's just you might pick up on things in Act 1 that you glossed over the first time you saw it because now you can put more attention into the mm -hmm. detail that's mm -hmm. going on where you know do you experience something together as an audience when you go to the movies yes yeah. but again it's something that is recreated over and over and over again you can right. watch it at home you can watch right. it you know it's not something that's experienced in the moment that it's yeah happening. and that has that disconnect of the live because i mean if you are watching a concert a live concert then if somebody's instrument falls or something happens or somebody passes out when they're singing in the choir, right? Like, all those things are really happening, mm -hmm. right? And and it might be slightly different, although with music, unless you're watching, like, a jazz concert, which is one of the reasons I love going to jazz, um, it, it's like you're you're watching something that someone is trying to... This is These are the, the way the notes are played, and this is where you have a fortissimo, and this yeah. is where, you know, the, the bass drops out. Um but it is live, so, you know, you get to breathe with them and you get to, like, mm -hmm. you know, see the sweat on their faces and, like, you know, see the, the passion or dispassion on their faces, right? Um, and either love the conductor or be like, what are they doing with their arms? Um, <laughs> and, like, you know, but that the, the movie... You don't know what happened after they said cut. You're not in the room. You can't smell them. You can't hear them the way that they were. You know, you're hearing the editing, like the lighting is different, like everything, the pores on their face. You're just like, okay, this is this is definitely not real. Whereas, like, I'm in the theater and the story is unfolding before me. Like, that suspension of disbelief is I'm actively participating in it with them. Yeah. Versus, like, you know, I could walk out of the, the lights could come on and the, the, the movie could stop playing. Yeah. You know, you can push pause. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and, and I think the other thing that makes it so disconnected film and TV versus mm -hmm. theater is the way that I describe it is theater is the actors, your medium, right? You go, you see the entire actor yeah. doing a thing. And t film, at least, is it's a director's medium. Sure. You only see what the director and the editors, via the director, mm -hmm. what they want you to see. Yeah. Like, they show the audience only what they want. Yeah. And so I think that there, w with that concealment, it's more difficult to wholly connect with something when you know that you're not experiencing it, you're being shown mm -hmm. something explicitly. Mm -hmm. It has been chosen for you to see yeah. or for you to not see. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, when you think about it that way, it can be troubling, you know? <laughs> not all of it, but, um, you know, we're in theater, you get to sit back and see all of it at once. Mm -hmm. You get to see the big picture. Yeah. And when you're able to do that, you get to form your own more cohesive um, thoughts and feelings about what it is that you're viewing and how it relates to the audience. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm not a huge film watcher. I've watched a number of films, but um, films that stick with me and that like have imprinted or had, you know, it was where I could forget about the director's gaze or I could forget mm -hmm. about the, the manufacturedness of it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan it's not that I've never enjoyed watching like a, a superhero movie or something like that, but there's something you know, like some, sometimes there is a disconnect from the storytelling and like, but like the hours. I saw the hours, which is not a superhero film. It's complete opposite. I Virginia Woolf is a superhero. How dare you? I know, right? <laughs> I actually really hate Virginia Woolf, but I love Virginia Woolf, which is why I went and saw the hours. But I saw it. I was one of the few times that I'd seen a movie before. I saw, read the book. I saw the movie. I fell in love with the movie. Fell in love with the soundtrack. 
got the book, read the book a million times, so, saw the movie several more times, got the like collector edition DVD so I could watch the behind the scenes interviews and things. And was first of all, Stephen Daldry, the director, is a theater director. Mm. Like he comes from the world of theater. And all of those actresses, Streep and Kidman and um uh Oh no, I just forgot her name. She has a face. Julianne Moore. Um, <laughs> Stalker Channing's in it. Um, they, they have theater backgrounds as well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, the interiority of that film, of, like, getting to go in, because that's what I think... Film can do that, like, really... Sh- but you feel it in a different way in the theater when someone, like, goes inside themselves and you can feel that shift and you mm-hmm. got to watch that happen when it happens so well. It's just like, oh, I'm here with you in this moment while you're feeling your feelings. And movies that I've loved, Portrait of a Lady is another really good example, do that. They make you feel like you're in the space with the people who are in the space. Mm-hmm. You kind of forget, like, oh, I'm seeing this frame right here because I'm. it's designed for me to see that, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, I love that feeling, too, when you leave a movie or a, or a play or finish reading a book. I've just, I just started reading books again. And you kind of feel like you're still in it. Yeah. Like everything's being filtered through the, the narratives and the characters and the events of that world that you were just in. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to, sometimes it's hard to shake off. Like, yeah. Um, I had never read Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I know that a lot of people really dislike that play. And sure. A lot of people really love it. Yeah. Um, it's ages long, but I, I went and saw a live play of it, a live show, not like the movie or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I... I mean, like, at the very end, I had no idea, like, this, the ending, I had no idea, like, goosebumps, like, it, like, killed me, Um, and then, you know, I could watch the movie, and I was like, this is really stupid, (laughs) right, like, it's, I think that there's really, and and it was one of those shows that I saw that, Mm. like, I felt yucky, for like two or three days, like I was mm. just like, like I, I couldn't shake it mm. off, and I didn't know what part of that got me, but there was yeah. something about it that I just, you know, it really affected my mood for like two or three days. Mm-hmm. It was just like so heartbreaking and yeah. weird, and I was like, I just don't even know how I feel about this, and and so I just don't. The only movie that has ever made me feel that way is the movie Hotel Rwanda. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. I saw it as a cast. I was in a show about genocide. And uh, the movie had had been out for like a year or two, and the director, yeah. who is Laurie Willery, said, "We're going to watch this as a cast, and it's really it's it's going to be a really rough film if you haven't seen it." And I hadn't seen it, um, and uh, but I think it, it it puts things into context in a very real mm. way, um, and so we watched it as a cast, and it was that was the only movie that I've ever walked out of, and I was like, "That was a beautiful movie." I never want to see it again in my life. Yeah. I and I and I've stuck to it. I've mm-hmm. never I I've never seen it again. Yeah. I was like I I can't. It's Ugh. rough. It was it was very rough. <laughs> I just realized that I haven't even asked you the question. Oh. That is like the question because we just jumped into such so deliciously <laughs> artistic um, shop talk, which is perfect because it, it all ties together, right? Like so, Frank. How do you define talent? 
so knowing that that was the question coming in today, I, I had to, you know, I had been thinking about it. Yeah. And I absolutely, I, our conversation has not changed my mind about how I was going to answer this yeah. question. Um, in fact, it's made it, I'm like, ah, yes, I think, I think I am right. I think I have the answer. <laughs> Crystallized. Only I have the answer. <laughs> um, and so I think the way that talent is defined is in any artist, and I believe this is even true for painters, um, any artist's ability to connect with Mm -hmm. another human being. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sounds so simple, um, but it's hard because it's it's about vulnerability, it's about Mm -hmm. life experience, and like, can you open up to another human that you don't know even even like i said even if it's in a painting Mm -hmm. um because being good you can be a good actor and you know it's just coming out of academia uh, there's a lot of talk of like well there's no such thing as talent and the reason why there's no such thing as talent is because art is subjective and it's like okay but people win oscars yeah and some paintings sell for millions of dollars Mm -hmm. and some artists some musical artists sell more than others Mm -hmm. and so i think that there's a reason why and it isn't necessarily because they're good like technically good Mm -hmm. like i think of like stevie nicks Mm. Is she a good singer? I would say technically she's not terrific. <laughs> Stevie, if you're listening, we love you. Yeah, but 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 I do. Like I yeah. absolutely love Stevie Nicks, and there's something about her mm-hmm. that draws people in, right? It's like people used to say that she was a witch. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they still do, right? Yeah. Um, there's something about her, like just thinking of her makes, you know, like yeah. the hairs on my skin stand up, where she's not technically good, mm-hmm. but she is talented mm-hmm. because she has this thing where she knows how to connect with people. Um, another example that here, I'm going to get nerdy for a second. Yes, please. Um, like uh, high renaissance in Florence, Italy, yeah. there was a painter. So we're, th- we're talking Da Vinci, Raphael, Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. There was another painter who a lot of people don't know about named Andrea del Sarto. Um, when you hear Andrea del Sarto, you're like, ah, maybe, but you've heard of Michelangelo. Right. You don't immediately da think Vinci. of like this sculpture that everyone knows. Right. Yeah. And at the time, Andrea del Sarto, his nickname was Sanze Errori, which means without error, without fault. He uh-huh. was known as being a perfect mm-hmm. artist, but he was forgotten because people like da Vinci and Michelangelo and Raphael, who were technically not as good as he was because they say that there's life and fire in da Vinci's paintings and mm-hmm. Raphael's and Michelangelo's. Um, and that he was even passed up on several projects for the Vatican at the time because he was too perfect, that there was no humanity Mm. in his paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, He's even known for complaining about one of Michael, uh, the the Pieta, where Mary's holding Christ, and she's like, look at the size of her hands. They're huge, they're not perfect, they don't make sense. You know, I could have done that better. I mean, he was passed up on it yeah. because despite his technical skill, mm-hmm. it was devoid of humanity. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is what talent is, is any artist's ability to tap into humanity mm-hmm. fully and truly yeah. and being able to connect to another person. I think that's that's it, right? Like, there's lots of good actors, sure. but there's only a handful of them that you're like, my God. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and I think that that's really 
what is at the crux of talent. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff for actors, right? Like uh, technical stuff. Like Mm -hmm. you need to be able to read your script Mm -hmm. and understand what's going on. Not just what's on the page, but like what is happening in this in this relationship, what is yeah. happening in this set of dialogue or this argument. Um, and then the jump, though, is being able to tie it back into reality mm-hmm. in your performance. And I think that is a lot harder to do than people think. I think, yeah. you know, like, oh, that was a good performance. Oh, that was a great performance. Um, but watching that woman who played uh, it, Martha and who's afraid of Virginia mm-hmm. Woolf, she did something that shook me to my core. Um, same thing with Don Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. They're surrounded by great actors. Yeah. You know, but the talent, the thing, the like it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think that the best way to pin it down is it has to do with being able to really connect with humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot rarer than people think. I think so too. No, I think, I think you're right on because I also, like, I often think about talent beyond the scope of, um, of the arts, right? And the arts and humanities. And, um, and just think about like the way when, when Amy was in here, we talked about, um, the churro man in her neighborhood. Right. And like, when he comes in you can hear his whistle and like how, like he's sort of like the molecule shift in a positive way. And you like, and there's something about that when somebody has the, the power, the gift, the talent, right. To like, open the door a little bit to let you in to give you comfort let you be seen and heard as a, as a human and but more than that to let themselves be seen and heard as a human mm-hmm. which is that vulnerability right and it's so hard because we especially in like our modern social media driven world we're so like okay you have to construct the narrative of who you are and you have to like have this and you have to do this and even if you do something awkward it has to be like marketably awkward you know <laughs> <laughs> like you know if you're quirky you have to be like a you know, okay manic pixie dream girl quirky <laughs> um and it's so hard like that that who am i and what am i doing and like some of the most endearing like the <laughs> I'm sure I've talked about it before, but um, here and elsewhere, the show that I love and have continued to love since I found it in the pandemic is this British uh, comedy panel show called Taskmaster. Mm. And one of the things that I love about that show, and they've talked about it on their own podcast, is that it's just comics and actors and folks doing these silly tasks, like draw... <laughs> Who can who can draw the best picture of a horse while riding a horse is one of the tasks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so and it's of course that's subjective and then it gets judged by Greg Davies. And like watching people's minds like like just watching humans be humans. Yeah. Right? And sometimes they're doing like, you know, I'm just gonna be bad at this because it's gonna be hilarious, but like I'm just gonna give lean into the badness. Or like they're really trying to <laughs> do the best picture of the horse they can while riding a horse, which they may have just learned to do. Right? And it's just like I the the thing that is so endearing to me about that show, besides Britishness and like, you know, <laughs> the, the way that the Brits are, um, is that like it's just a celebration of humans. Because mm-hmm. This being human thing is really fucking hard. Yeah. So when someone like celebrates it in a way that like celebrates the fragility of it and like the joy of it and the terror of it, the, and, and the imper- the imperfection. Yes. Right. Like yeah. I think that that is really where humanity is found. That's where mm-hmm. people connect. Mm-hmm. Is in the imperfections. Yes. You know, like these great character actors who do this great thing, but it's often like apart from them. Yeah. Not a part of them, it's yeah. apart from them. Yeah. And you can still enjoy the performance. Um, 
and they can still be very good at what they do, mm-hmm. but it's missing, right? It's it's in the imperfections mm-hmm. that you find humanity yeah. because, right? I mean, no one's perfect. Right, right. right. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a, a big part is like right. finding, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to play this, you know, romantic lead. It's like, that's great. That's <laughs> boring. Let's find out where the romantic leads flaws are yeah. like how do we lean into oh i oh, i'm in love with this person on say oh, i love juliet okay what about her imperfections though mm-hmm. is it is it that you know i mean romeo goes on and on and on about yeah. how beautiful she is and all this other kind of a thing but what about her imperfections how how much more interesting would it be that if the things that he loved about juliet was her imperfections not you know her beautiful skin and her hair and all these other things right you know right but uh you mentioned something about like social media and like yes. where we're all right now. <laughs> if we have the time, oh god, yes. Okay, please jump into it because that that forest of no return is one of my favorite and dreaded subjects. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's less about the social media and more how it's changed mm. how humans interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and tying this into acting, you know, I taught acting one to freshmen mm-hmm. for their first year like in person yes. um, at, a, at a college um, and it was so difficult because mm-hmm. people have changed and the way that we are teaching acting has not yet changed sure. and I, I finally just came to this realization about a week ago um, where I was thinking about it like well, you know wow, because it stuck in me like I mm-hmm. sucked at it I was awful at teaching these first years and I was like I never want to teach first year actors ever again in my life um, be, you know and, and and I felt like that was reflective on me as an educator like mm-hmm. I don't think I educated them in anything I did but it wasn't pertinent with the phones and the digital age mm-hmm. and the FaceTime, I mean, I went to Italy and we're going through these art museums and people are experiencing art, through their phone. fine art through their phones, mm-hmm. recording everything mm-hmm. as they're walking through. Like it's right in front of you and you're on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. So we've come to a point where our students are so detached on how to connect mm-hmm. interpersonally without something in the middle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we're like, okay, let's act. Yes. And I think that where we need to go in training young actors is the first thing that we need to be teaching them. Take all the acting and put it right in the garbage. I don't care. Who are you? Who are you? I need you to learn how to listen. Mm -hmm. And I know we talk about that Mm -hmm. in acting classes. Like, oh, real acting is listening and responding. It's like, yes, that's true. But you're assuming that they have that tool mm-hmm. that they know how to listen with their full bodies right how to hear with their full bodies and how to respond with their full right. bodies when you know they've been on zoom and all that we see is you know upper chest to top of head mm-hmm. uh what you know actors that didn't grow up with that didn't know what to do with their hands sure these kids really don't know what to yes. do with their hands and we're asking them to yeah. incorporate emotion and this and you should consider these things and that thing and are you listening it's like they yeah. don't know how the first thing that we should be teaching our students is how to communicate Mm -hmm. how to send a message, Mm -hmm. how to receive a message. What are the many ways that a message can be sent? Um, Because if they can't listen, we can't expect them to do other things on stage. Right. Not really. Right. Not really. And so, you know, I think right now, what talent looks like for our students 
is that like one in 10 yeah. that knows how to listen mm-hmm. and engage just personally. Right. Take all the acting, take all the scripts, like can you sit across the table like we are doing right now and carry on a conversation for an hour and a half mm-hmm. or an hour, you know? I don't think a lot of them can. Sure. Not without going for the phone, not sure. without checking, you know? It's yeah. like you and I haven't done that once right. the entire time that we've we've been here. You know, they go to dinner, they're on their phone. Yeah. It's like, you know, are you out on a date? Yeah. Uh, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and I think that that is where our artistry specifically mm-hmm. needs to start to take a turn. Like we got to get phones out of hands, yes. put them away, put them in a basket when you walk in the door. Something needs to happen because mm-hmm. I don't think the way that we are training our actors right now is effective. And I think that it shows on what's being produced. Like I love, like I had a conversation with one of our professors mm-hmm. about how like, oh, it's so unfair. Like even, you know, an old white actress is just as, um, you know, looked down upon in the industry as people of color. And, you know, that they don't have any roles either. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Say that to Jane Fonda and mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin and Meryl Streep and all of these new series that are coming up yeah. where we're looking backwards for talent. Yes. Right. Like we're starting to look at the, you know, the greats of the 70s and 80s and -hmm. 90s because the young talent that's coming up isn't meeting the mark and they can't connect with an audience. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back to actors that know how to do it and start casting them in things. And I think that that's wonderful. I I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, But again, like I think that it's because we're missing the boat and training or, you know, I want to get Insta famous. Yeah, and I was seeing that, you know, definitely before before the pandemic even, mm-hmm. there's, and, and not just in, in, in acting, right? Like even teaching English, like teaching, um, like, uh, like I, when I was at MJC, I taught what was essentially like their two quote remedial unquote classes. Mm-hmm. The, the before, like if you haven't tested into 101 um, or you haven't taken these prerequisites, right? You have to take 50 and or 55. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to test out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the there was a student in one of my classes who was pretty much coming f- straight from high school and had never been asked to write an essay before. And it shocked me. And then I, you know, oftentimes I was running into these, like, well, it's not just that they, I, like, they, they haven't consistently done things. They haven't had to consistently do things for themselves in the same, like, more analog way mm-hmm. that, you know, like, I would have to do them. And everyone's taking notes on their computer, which I, did, I do, too. I did, especially in, in grad school, because it was so dense and it was just faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am like, what? these people don't read books. And they, everyone's like, I don't like to read. And I would sit down and be like, have you gotten any text messages today? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, did you read them or did someone read them to you? And I was like, oh, I read them. I was like, yeah. Okay, so have you looked at a menu lately? And like, you read all the time. Like, what is the disconnect for you between, like, these are the communication, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's so many ways in which humans have created to communicate to each other. And this, like, digital age that does feel like it's stripping us of our ability to really listen for the messages and critically think about them, right, and take them in, right, because so much of it is getting done for us by, now we have AI, which is a whole other thing. Um, but it, it, it it's hard to watch, like, going like, oh, here are folks coming into college or here are working professionals or people trying to be working professionals, and they need to go back to, like, square one. 
And it's not because they're bad or they're, you know, it's just because literally like the training hasn't adapted to realize that like folks aren't coming in with the tools they used to come in to classrooms with, to spaces with, to training spaces, to workspaces. And that's gotta change we have to i'm gonna fix it yeah i mean it 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 really really does i was um i think i was telling dr dunn um that you know i i want to write a book Mm -hmm. about how i want you to take all of your acting training and throw it in the trash Mm -hmm. and all that we're going to talk about in this book is um communication theory Mm -hmm. that's it Mm -hmm. um listening and responding everything else doesn't really matter right um and I think that, especially for, you know, like I said, training is all, they always tell you, you need to listen, you need to listen. Um, and not listen for your line. Right. Not listen for your cue. Right. Like, what is this person doing? What are they saying to me? Yeah. You know, and seeing the whole human, mm-hmm. the whole message, mm-hmm. right? It's not just, it's rarely about the words. Yeah. How close are they to me right now? Right. How how tightly are they gripping on to the arm of the couch that they're sitting on because they're afraid that they're going to explode right now? Yeah. Like, how quiet did their voice just get because you know they're so affected internally by their emotional journey Mm -hmm. all of it all of that you know i think all of that ties into communication if somebody Mm -hmm. walks away from you Mm -hmm. that's sending a message yes how are you going to receive that message and what message are you going to send back right um and i think that that is really at the heart of great great acting play Mm -hmm. um and i think that it I think it's a great way to strip out some of the old ways of approaching acting um, that, you know, we're getting into these things like, oh, we need the de-rolling, right? Mm -hmm. The de-rolling process because actors are being so impacted mentally and emotionally that they're having trouble shedding the skin of characters or Mm -hmm. shedding the trauma that this other character went through. Um, Oftentimes, because they say, well, if you can't get there, Use your own personal trauma to help sure. get you there, sure. which I think is incredibly problematic. And, you know, you look at all these actors that commit suicide or they do one role mm-hmm. every 10 years because yeah. they can't shake it off. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, I don't know, I'll have to sure. try and bamboozle somebody into letting me teach a class just using <laughs> this methodology. But I think that if we're really listening and responding to another human on stage, that you can get there without having to traumatize yourself or rehash old trauma because I think that that is also bad because what happens, right? Like you think about the time that your grandmother passed away and I feel like humans become desensitized, then you need Mm -hmm. something harder the next time because it didn't work anymore. Um, And I think that becoming desensitized to your trauma can be be a bad thing because we're not really desensitized to it we're pushing it down and pushing it away which always comes out in worse forms later on yeah i i have a real problem with that methodology of 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 teaching acting and and i think that starting with the basics is all that you need starting with how how do humans communicate if you're going to if you're going to live and breathe in real time on stage then you have to know how a human lives and breathes Mm -hmm in life right and sometimes it's just listening and responding 
Yeah, and there is, you know, because the, there's there's something to be said for access too. Because I know that there's a number of folks in the um, disability communities. You know, that one of the things that digital technology helps us with is is access for folks, right? So mm. being able to access something through a screen or um, being able to be physically somewhere else while you're doing work. And there is, but it's like mm-hmm. if that's if that's an, how do I say this? Like I think that when when technology is used to 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 give access, right? It, it's part of like a, achieving a similar means, right? But because this this person needs this accommodation or this you know this access um, adjustment, like we're doing that, it's not that this digital world is the norm for everybody in this moment, right? Be, um, because then if I'm digitally accessing people who are in a space together in time then they're still getting to be in a space together in time and I can still listen to the way that and respond to what they're doing, you know, as opposed to everybody's in different rooms and everybody's like Wi-Fi is at different speeds and all mm-hmm. these things. It's like I think it's not that the digital world or that technology is is without merit or without any sort of like sure. usefulness and, and, and progress. But it's like, at, but not at the cost of humanity, right? Because if somebody's using technology as, a, as an accommodation to help them access their own humanity, their own, that's different than right. somebody who's just like using it as a shortcut so they don't have to tell their own story. They don't have to listen to this person. They don't have to do this. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of weaponizing, right? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to, you know, look at my phone and like play this stupid game that I keep playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of my favorite places, Monterey Bay Aquarium, mm-hmm. and I had gone there a few years ago. And it was just like gorgeous and wonderful and crying because like <laughs> the jellyfish make me cry. Aww. The deep sea exhibit makes me cry too because there's like this. Um, there, there are quotes, right? These highlighted quotes throughout the, the building, and one of them is something I think it's like Thoreau or something like in the wildness of the world is is the meaning of life or something one of those things where you like you read it right but like as you go into this darkened cavernous space with this huge whale in front of you you're just like oh my god we're all connected and everything's a part of everybody and this <laughs> right like anyway the monterey Bay aquarium makes me cry the last time i was there um more recently within the past before the pandemic but mm-hmm. within the past like five years Everyone was experiencing. It's like I took out my phone from time to time to take a picture or a video because I wanted like a little memento for myself. But I was really consciously like, I want to be here with these fishies and these kelps and these like starfish (laughs) and like watching like watching children who don't have phones in their hands. Like, oh my gosh! And like that is. I'm like, why would you want to experience everything through a screen? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you know when I was in Florence. I had that realization, Mm. Um, you know, because my impulse was to take a picture like, oh, my God, you know, again, Mm. like I want to take this with me. I don't want to forget it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I pulled out my phone and it was of like a a, a landscape or something. I can't Mm. I can't even remember what it is. Yeah. Um, But I, I pulled out my phone and I took a picture and then, you know, I tapped it so that I could look at it. And it just... It was ugly. Right. I was like, if I posted this, people would be like, what the fuck is, why are you right. posting this? Or taking pictures of the sunset. You know, something weird, you know, it, that's when I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to come to Florence. I'm here. Mm. These pictures 
are not going to tell any story because it's also it's the experience like yeah. what I was feeling in that moment and then when you look at the picture it's like it's entirely devoid of humanity sure it's sure. entirely devoid of humanity it's a hill right you know just a hill yeah that's it and and I decided right then and I and I even told my husband I was like I'm not taking pictures He's like, well, you're never good at taking pictures. I, you're right. I'm not. I'm, I was never good at taking pictures. You know, I don't come. We don't yeah. come from that generation of like sure. the smartphone. So sure. it doesn't occur to me often like, oh, I have a, you know, disposable camera in my back pocket at all times. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take pictures because yeah. it's for what? Right. You know, like to put on my Instagram mm-hmm. to get followers like that doesn't interest sure. me. And and it was it was really eye-opening to look at something that I was like, oh my God, this is breathtaking. And then looking mm-hmm. at a picture of it and it's like, no, it's, it's, it, you were, I, you remove the aura when you take the picture. Yeah. Like it seems lifeless. It seems right. without life. Um, so then to go into these museums where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, at the, you know, uh, Piazza Pitti, it's like, you know, there's Da Vinci's in there mm-hmm. and it's like, everyone has their phone out. They didn't even take the time to sit and take in mm-hmm. what it is that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, phone out either recording, mm-hmm. and they just pass by everything and sort of hold. Oh, no. Like, you're just going to go home and watch it later? Yeah. Why? Why? Look at it now. Yeah. Look at it now. You're in a room crammed full of people. You fought to get to the front so mm-hmm. that you can see this thing, and you're looking at it through your phone. Right. It's. It was absolutely... It was crazy to me. It's like making reality a virtual reality. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. And I, you know, again, like, I I understand reasons and meanings behind it. Like, are there photographers, whether they're amateur, quote, amateur, unquote, or not, who can take a picture of something and it does capture that aura and that essence. And that's why we're like, oh, my God, that's such a good picture. Talented. Right? There's talent. (laughs) They're They're able to to, to get that essence of that moment of what they saw and how Mm -hmm. it impacted them or, like, the look on someone's face at just the right moment. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll take a picture. Like I, we, I went with Iris, um, and to a, uh, an exhibit at the Broad and I love the Broad. It's my favorite museum. And like, I will, I will almost every other time I'm at the Broad when I, I'll go up the elevator twice, at least twice. (laughs) The one that like goes into the chasm because I like to take a video. Like I don't watch the video as I'm taking it, but I like to take a video of, it's my favorite escalator ever of like, just like. (laughs) being transported up into this belly of this because the architecture just sends me um and every time i watch it like i don't care if no one else i'm it's not for like you know i think i've put one of those on my instagram before but it's not for instagram it's like for me because it gives me such joy and then like i can't go to the broad every single day but i can look at that stupid video of like (laughs) of the cavern just you know um, and I don't like for that. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. If if you'd captured the picture of the hill, and you look, you're looking at the hill, and you look at the picture, and you're like, yeah, that has it. You probably wouldn't have had that moment of like, I need to, this is stupid, right? Yeah. You'd have been like, oh yes, cool. I'm gonna like, I'm always gonna be able to come back to this moment, this feeling, this thing. Right. Um, and now you still get to do it, but because it was marked by the non-picture, mm-hmm. right? Like the, yeah. oh, I don't want to tell this story of this moment that way don't want it yeah i want it i want to experience it yeah i want to live it as it's happening Mm -hmm. um i think so going back to theater yes um you know i have seen shows live Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and then i've seen the recorded version 
sometimes it's even the same performance that mm-hmm. I was there watching and it looks and feels so fake yeah. so put on yeah. when when you watch it live it is so engrossing mm-hmm. you know I, I, again yeah, it's, there's something about that camera lens that's yeah. like you know watching people do something live mm-hmm. and really experiencing you know it's like film right like mm-hmm. how many takes did it take before they right. got to the one that they showed you right um where in 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 theater it's you know it's something that happens and then it's gone yeah and even when it's caught on camera and you rewatch it mm-hmm. it's like no it really is something that happens. It's something magical that happens, mm-hmm. and then it's gone. Yeah. And not even a recording can put it back. No. So interesting. No. And I think that's maybe part of talent, too, right? Because life is that. Life, it, it happens, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what I think is magical about theater is the way that, you know, all the world's a stage. And literally, like, theater is so representative in, in, in all of the ways that of of what life is it's chaotic it's structured it's it's scripted it's not it's you know it mm-hmm. it is the same and yet it is never the same um and that hold on the brain it has to rewind for a second um the the ephemera the when somebody even if it's like the cashier at the grocery store for that moment like makes me appreciate life this brief, fleeting, stupid thing, mm-hmm. wonderful, stupid thing, right? <laughs> um, or like we had a, a, a positive interaction, or I watched this performance and it moves me, whether it terrifies me or shakes me to my core, or like yeah. disgusts me or enthralls me or whatever it is. Like it's all that celebration of this thing that we can't quite define and we can't quite put down, and then yet it is what we're doing yeah. in the moment this present moment yeah yeah human man being human is fucking weird i hate humans, <laughs> I hate humans. <laughs> hell is other people i think dorothy parker said that <laughs> or sartre or both oh, well, probably sartre <laughs> oh gosh um this is delightful. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Um, I'll send you a follow-up questionnaire, and it'll be like, what's your address number now? Um, for, like, admin. <laughs> so much of life is admin, Frank. This is, the, this is the part that the kids these days don't understand. It's so true. It's so true. It is. That's when we started ta- when we sat down and started talking. We were talking essentially about admin, the admin of being an actor. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. it's full circle. So how's things, admin? <laughs> admin. That's that's how it is. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm gonna hit stop. Okay. thousand thanks to Frank Ramirez for being today's guest on Defining Talent, a podcast, and infinite thanks to all of you who are tuning in to listen. You can visit definingtalentpod.com for more information about Frank, as well as previous episodes and guests. New episodes are released every other Friday, and on Friday, October 22nd, I sit down with the lovely Dr. Denia Bradshaw, who currently serves as the Administrative Support Coordinator for the Department of Music at Cal State LA. Again, my name is Laura Dickinson-Turner, and this has been Defining Talent, a podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. We'll see you next time.